I want to just shoot a little bit better than Jordan Clarkson. That's kind of my goal. <laughs> uh, if you like it, then put a ring on it, as John says. Are you guy. ever the irrational confidence guy in basketball? Irrational confidence? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got a game. We got a game. Hey, 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 hey. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. It's August 4th, Jaron. Typically, this is a very exciting time. Yes. Practices are happening. Yeah, practice. Gear it up for Let's the go. season. Let's go. Not sure who BYU is going to play in week number one. They have six games remaining on the schedule. With that in mind, we spoke with BYU head football coach Kalani Satake yesterday afternoon on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Topics including actual football camp starting for BYU and preparing amidst the uncertainty of pandemics and a push for more social justice and players wanting more from the conferences, Pac-12 specifically. But we started the conversation with a little bit of an easier question on the important topic of Preston Hadley and Gennaro Guilford and the coaches on bikes movement. Is Kalani for it? I moved close enough so that it's not even going to be much of an exercise if I ride a bike here. So, yeah, that's, I don't think it's going to work. Plus, uh, I'm a little bigger nowadays, and I, I served a two-year mission where I spent some time on the bikes. Those guys probably <laughs> didn't spend enough time on – Preston didn't spend enough time on his bike while I was on his mission. <laughs> okay, normally this time of year we're getting excited for the season. It's fall camp. It's the beginning, which is the case, uh, you know, on Tuesday here. Um, what's life like for you as you try and navigate what you hope is – a football season, yet everything's kind of up in the air right now. Yeah, I think for the most part, you know, we've been just working and, and uh, letting the players, uh, you know, lead the way. I think I think uh, the great thing about this opportunity for them is that the player, the coaches are out of the way now. So the players, are, you're left to see if the culture is going to thrive. And from what I saw during the, the quarantine, during the, this whole uh, pandemic, is that our culture is really good on this team and, and it's led by great players. So I'm excited about it. Kalani, uh, your boys back to practice, and I know that they couldn't be happier about it. Um, what's on the specific agenda for you and your team over the next few days? Yeah, to keep focusing on our fundamentals and technique. I mean, there's there's uh, there's some uncertainties, uh, most notably our, our opponents, but for the most part, we can really work on our install, get on the field. I think now that we can get some, uh, you know, get the helmets on and, and get these guys kind of acclimated to the game. And then once we get the pads on, then, then the real competition starts. So for the, for the next part is just kind of getting that, um, being able to transition from their off-season conditioning into fall camp mode. And, and uh, from what I see so far with our guys and the walkthroughs that we've been able to do, I'm really excited about the program, excited about the, where, the status of our football team right now. This fall camp is every coach's dream, Kalani. No media. So you, you'll, you'll do media availability. I love you guys, man. Come on. Man, that's a, no, that's, that's uh, I mean, it's, it's uh, I think what you're saying is that, yeah, this is a little different. And I think um, I didn't really know much about zoom and, 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 and virtual meetings and all that stuff until now. So, uh, you know, we're, we're people that can adapt and, and I uh, just, I'm thankful that we have the relationships and uh, that we can rely on everybody, uh, you know, just focusing and, and making each other better. So uh, as long as we get to interact somehow, I'm, I'm good with it. It's hard for me because I want to hug and talk to all the fans, you know, but uh, we'll just do it safe with a, a safe way, you know, keeping our social distancing and uh, getting the masks on and things. Pandemics are bad for huggers. That's what I've learned during this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> d- describe what your practice is like right now. Obviously, you know, we've seen masks on, but 
Will guys wear masks under a helmet? And, and how is social distancing within football? That's kind of a question that no one's really been able to answer, Will. Yeah, we've been getting some education from our doctors and from the, our sports medicine department, just uh, allowing the guys to know a little bit more about, about uh, COVID and, and for our, our players to know how they can keep this environment a low-risk environment. Uh, the key is for us to wear masks around each other, regardless of whether you agree with them or not. It, it, in order for us to keep this as a low-risk environment in practice and in the meetings, we have to wear the, the masks and, and, and exercise a social distancing. You know, and, and if we can do that, then then we'll be okay. If, even if someone does uh, get the virus, and uh, we don't have to basically shut down the whole program because we've done a good job at keeping it low-risk in our meetings and in our interactions with the players and even at practice. So. We're doing a lot of things in practice. We're thinking of getting these masks that are a little bit thinner. That gives them a little bit more protection out there. But we're also looking at doing some things with the face masks that you see other schools are doing, um, whether it's a clear plastic um, see-through deal on the bottom that, that forms a mask or the mask inside or the cloth version. We're, we're looking into all that. And I think uh, the key is keeping our players safe and, and uh, allowing them to play the game that they love but do it in a safe way so it doesn't bring risk to people or the loved ones that they have at home. BYU football head coach Kalani Satake with us on BYU Sports Nation. Coach, what are the protocols for screening when players come to practice each day, and how often will those things take place? Yeah, every day when we when we check in, we uh, get our temperature taken. Uh, we we uh, go through the whole protocol when we first enter. We get our wristbands, you know, that we show that we've been screened, and then um, we just got to be honest and, and and report any symptoms that we're having and and work really closely with our trainers and our doctors. And so a, a big portion of that is uh, educating the players and, and them being aware of what's going on. And this is a thing that changes quite often. It, it's not just like everything's set in stone. It's something that, uh, you know, a lot of things could happen in, in, in a day, let alone a week or a couple of weeks. And so we have to stay on, on the updated on everything and keep our players educated on the whole process. And it's been really cool because in the time we're, communication is not, not as uh, open. Now we can do it and, and be, give our guys uh, the confidence. When they're, once you know and you're educated a little bit more, you can kind of uh, learn how to function, how to go about whether it's practice meetings or inter- even interacting with each other. Certainly there's a lot to figure out. I wanted to follow up, uh, you know, obviously with the schedule and, and practice and whatnot. But in terms of social distancing, is the, do you have to do things a little differently, and if so, how, so that if, uh, you know, let's say a quarterback gets a positive test, that you don't have to eliminate all the quarterbacks going into that game that week or anyone they, they would have uh, dealt with? Because my fear is we're going to have a, a good schedule. Tom's going to put that together, and then all of a sudden we're not going to be able to play because the Miami Marlins things happen, right? So how are you dealing with those possibilities? Well, when, when, from what we know is when, when they do have someone that tests positive or has the virus, then they kind of backtrack through all of it and where, where their interactions have been. And what we can do as a program is keep it so it's low risk and a low risk environment, our practices and meetings and everything so that they, they don't have to quarantine or shut out the whole uh, position group. Um, and that's where the masks come in, um, being mindful of social distancing, even during practice, being able to stay, keep your distance. Um, but, but if we are able to do that, then they won't see that it's, it's actually uh, contracted here, you know, and they can kind of backtrack to that where it's home or some other interaction that they may have. But if we can keep it at a low risk, then that won't have to happen. And, and uh, we're, we're talking to our, our doctors daily about it and seeing if there's anything we can do differently or better to make sure that we keep that, that this program is a low risk environment for our players. 
So do you feel like this is feasible, that this is possible um, with football where the center is going to snap the ball to the quarterback <clears throat> and he's going to hand it to a running back and other guys will, will contact them, where we can, we can somehow make this work and play? We believe so, and we think part of that is everyone having their personal accountability for it and being mindful of others, you know, and, and in a game where, where we're able to test and, and, and monitor everything that we can, we're, if we're able to keep the, the, the points of contact limited, or if there are points of contact, keep it so that it's not a high-risk environment, and we should be okay, right? And I, I have a lot of confidence in the people that are leading the way and that are helping us educate our players and our coaches and our staff through this whole process, and I really believe it's going to work out pretty well for us. And all we can do is our part, and we, we can uh, hope that all the other opponents are doing the same as well. But for what I've seen so far with BYU, the leadership in our administration and our athletic administration, I'm really excited about what they've done for our players and our coaches I'm excited for the season. BYU football head coach Kalani Sataki on BYU Sports Nation. Your job is already hard enough. Now throw in an offseason that has been turbulent, to say the least, obviously with COVID-19, the pandemic, uh, this affecting now half of your schedule, six Power 5 games going away. There has been a movement to fight social injustice. Uh, now players in the Pac-12 are banding together to try and get more. And, I mean, there are just so many things happening. So how have you been able to or how are you trying to rally your troops to keep everyone even keel and pushing forward amidst so much uncertainty? I think it's important that everybody feels like they, they're going to be heard and that we communicate often, right? So I think that uh, uh, for the players or coaches, administration, I think – we're doing a great job of talking and and uh, and then leading, you know. And I think the the points of communication has got to be there. So I think uh, if you don't communicate very well, those moments of of lapse or, or moments of absence of communication usually filled by negativity. So as long as we can keep communicating and do it well, I think we'll be okay. And and I feel good about players voicing their opinions, uh, coaches, support staff, everyone, fans. So why why not keep it going, right? I think that's just important that we try to learn from each other see other people's perspectives, and really just respect each other and love each other. Just follow the, lead, the leader of our church and the, what he's been doing and, and also the leader of our church, our, our, our gospel, which is Jesus Christ. So if we do that and be mindful of others, we'll be okay. You lost uh, no good transition out of that. Uh, you lost six. <laughs> you lost six power fives. Yeah. <laughs> you lost six power fives on the schedule. Um, do you want to replace that with six power fives? Are you, are you up for whatever? We want a full schedule. We just want to play football. You know, I, I think that uh, we're in a situation we've prepped all all year long for the the schedule that we had, and obviously with the circumstances that happened, there's a lot of different things that happened. And uh, I trust in, in Tom Homo. I trust our athletic administration and our leaders in the school, and and getting a putting together a schedule. Our guys will be ready. And so I, I, we have a good chance this year to do some really good things. And uh, more than anything, I'm just really excited for our seniors and the things that they've done building this team to this point. So. Uh, we'd just be honored to be on the field to, to perform for our fans and to represent our families and represent the church and the school. So we're looking forward to the, that opportunity and uh, just really thankful that we're in this position that it could possibly happen. Coach, how would you describe the climate and the tenor of your locker room and your team right now, given everything that is going on? Yeah, I think it's really positive. I think there's uh, there's some people that, that, that I think uh, – Need, need to learn more and, 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 and talk to each other. And I think that's a good moment for them to have. I, I think uh, there's a lot of things going on. You just named them. You went down the list of a lot of different things. And to me, I, I go back to the communication thing. I think it's good for people to talk about it and, 
and to get other people's perspectives and to really respect each other and, and, and learn from each other. So that's, we do that. We'll be fine. Our team has been doing that, not just this year, but it's been that way for a long time. It's a culture that we have in place with this program and with the school. So uh, I think it, it fits in line with what we're trying to do as, as a church. And uh, so I think it just ma- makes, makes a lot of sense what we're doing right now. It makes a lot of sense the way the players are adapting to it. And then during this ish, this uh, time of the pandemic, our culture is thriving. And I feel really good about the guys that are involved with this. So really proud of our players. An honor for me to be the coach and looking forward to, to you know performing for the fans. Is it hard dealing with that? Because you put your life into the athletes and the coaches around you to succeed and win yet winning may not even be an option right this year as you navigate everything and you're the coach you're not coming up with a schedule so how are you handling that emotionally as you try and prepare this team for what you hope is a full schedule but we just don't know well i think the the way that i i do it is just through gratitude and appreciation i'm so thankful that we have great people that are working for us and trying their best yourselves included, all our fans that are just really in in, uh, in support of what we do as a football team. I understand that there's a lot of other things that are going on in this world that are more important, but it's such such a good, cool cool feeling for me as a head coach to see what's happened with our fan base and the way they react to things, the way they support our players, and you know how, how our players have been to, to adjust to all the things that have happened so far this year. So um, our, our, our attitude and my attitude personally, and I think it, it, it's not just mine, it's just what we share as a program is that we're just thankful for the, this opportunity that we're in right now. Just have a lot of appreciation for those people that have worked so hard for us and to put us in this situation that we're in right now to hopefully play football. Coach, I know you're obviously very focused on the actual football product and helping your team get better, but it's hard not to wonder what that schedule is going to look like. So when you hear things like the Big 12 are deciding today on what they're going to do with their scheduling. The ACC and the SEC announced last week, and the Sun Belt Conference comes out along with Conference USA, and they say we're playing a full 12-game schedule. How, how much uh, of that is wandering through your mind um, as you push forward with right now a six-game schedule? Well, I mean, I, I, think, I feel confident that we'll be okay, right? And, and to me, it's uh, – our players are ready to, to perform for 12, play, 12 games. Uh, it doesn't really matter who it is. It didn't, didn't matter if the first game was going to be Utah or whoever shows up. We just need to be ready to play all 12, right? And, and hopefully if we do it right, we can gain extra time and play some more, uh, play, play another game with this group, you know, and see how that goes. We can only control what we control, which is be ready for 12 games. Be ready for game one, and then from there on out, try to do what we can to stay healthy so that we can perform our best. That's that's it. It doesn't matter if the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid show up uh, <laughs> here in September. We're going to have to play at our best. And so the goal here has always been the same, to perform at our best 12 times, and we're looking forward to do that early September. Oh, great stuff. And if uh, Coach Reid wants to come by, hey, so be it. Um, do, <laughs> do, yeah, I, I have to wonder uh, what kind of a challenge that would be for your team. But do, do you have a timetable of when you expect to find out if you have a week zero or week one opponent? Oh, uh, no, I think that's more of a Tom Homo question. You know, for us, we're just going to be ready to go that first week and uh, hope that, that there's an opponent there, right? So I have a lot of confidence in, in our administration to get it done. And, and uh, do you know, these guys are, are working really hard, so I have a lot of confidence that they'll figure it out and, and get a schedule. We'd like to know as soon as possible so we can start prepping for them, <laughs> you know, but uh, – um, at this point right now, we're just excited that we're playing football and we're, we're starting practices. 
Were you showing off the guns a minute ago? You were you were looking pretty big there. Well, you know, I have been working out a little bit. You guys haven't given me much compliments, but that's okay. You know, <laughs> you're wearing the medium today. It looks I, like. Uh, I don't know what to do because I have the mask in one hand, and I'm just kind of you know. Normally, I'm sitting next to you guys, so we're all. This is a little uncomfortable for me. I know. I'm talking I, to a screen and to see you guys in, in person and putting on the blue goggles or something. Yeah, exactly. You know? It's 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 kind of weird. <laughs> I did want to ask you. Um, as an independent, it's certainly unique. In, in a league, they would say, okay, here are the protocols, and both teams apply by this, right? If BYU plays anybody else, they're going to have to figure out how to meet that standard maybe. So um, h- how do you anticipate that happening um, this season with as an independent where you may play ACC or Big 12 or Mountain West teams, right? Yeah, I think it's going to be fine. I mean, everybody wants to be safe, right? So I think the protocol will be very similar um, and, and, and from what I've seen and, and the coaches that I've talked to and other programs, uh, what we're doing is very similar. It's, it's pretty much a universal type of deal where we want to be safe and keep everything at low risk. Okay, a, let's finish with a non-pandemic-related question. Actual football here. What's the biggest question mark you have about your team entering fall camp of 2020? A couple of things. Who our opponent's going to be, right? But uh, also... Uh, there's a lot of guys um, competing for for starting spots, and so, and then there's others that are that are competing for um, earning their, their the trust from their teammates and from the coaches to be on the field more. So, we're going to need more than just the 11 starters on all three phases. We're going to need a lot of guys that can contribute. We feel like we have a good deep team and a lot of experience, and so uh, right now it's just a matter of who's going to take the first snap. I can't wait to see the competition. These guys are really good, and and. Competition usually breeds really, really good success. So I'm looking forward to these guys competing at all different positions. And, man, let's just get the football because that's the only way you handle it. We'll play the best guys. They sell it on the field, and, and, and we make the decisions that are pretty, pretty, uh, you know, that stands out and pretty noticeable by everybody else. Is it Zach Wilson versus the other quarterbacks, or is <laughs> it every man for himself? Every position has got to compete. And, and what's beautiful is that these guys work with, really well together. So um, we have a, a really cool dynamic at all the positions, not just quarterback. There's a lot of guys, O-linemen are fighting for starting spots too. But I think the, the more they do that, we'll start to find that we have more than just one that can play at, at each position. And we're already starting to see that from last year. But this year, it's just the, the competition has been cool, man. It's just been everyone stepping up their game. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the outcome will be, which usually means good, good things for us as a program. Coach, it's great to see your face, hear your voice, especially back in those football offices. This is see, exciting. See, see the guns. Time. Yeah. Know, hey, yeah. and whether you're benching yeah. 325 or riding that bike no. downhill, safety first, man. Yeah, I, I can do the bike downhill and then just got to pick, pick it up and take it up to the top again. So I'm a <laughs> coasting type of guy when it comes to bike riding. No Greg Lamont or Lance Armstrong here. Thanks, guys. Love you guys. Thank you. Go Cougs. Kalani Sataki on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Yeah, here's to hoping for a safe, uh, not fall summer camp. A summer camp, not fall camp. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, BYU's first day of practice, and hopefully they play week zero, week one, and we have a, a game we look forward to. I imagine we'll have that soon. We were t- you mentioned last week you thought August 7th would be the date, right? By then. I wonder how this season is going to go in that regard, if there will be any mid-season scheduled games or if that's too just, unfeasible. Just piece it together. Hey, you uh, you want to play a game in like two weeks? I feel like that'd be pretty crazy, but nuts. who knows, right? Who knows? We're almost there. We're almost there to where we need to know. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation.
This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Bring on the best to wear. We're counting up to 99. Two numbers each show these days and determining the best athletes to wear each digit at BYU. Today we land on numbers 71 and 72. If you like offensive linemen, you're going to love today's best to wear. First off, number 71, John Borgia. Offensive lineman in the 80s. He was a freshman in 84. He's on the national championship team. This picture tells the story of the era. That hair is juicy. Big John. He was a guard. AP Honorable Mention All-American in 87 as a senior. Uh, he was first team all as a senior. Second team all as a junior. John Borgia is the best wear number 71, bro. At number 72 is Nick Iyer. In the golden age, 1976 to 1980, he was a 1980 consensus All-American. First great lineman in BYU history, question mark? BYU's first consensus All-American lineman, yes. With hands down, this is the guy. Yeah. Finished third in the Outland Trophy voting in 1980. Two-time first-team All-WAC, not surprisingly, in 79 and 80. How about that run with Mark Wilson and Jim McMahon he had? Led BYU, or helped lead BYU, to four straight WAC titles. Played four years of... Professional football in the NFL, Houston Oilers, and played with the USFL's Arizona Wranglers. He was inducted into the BYU Hall of Fame in 1990. When your last name is Iyer, a.k.a. Anger, you should be an offensive lineman. I think that's the perfect position for his last name. You couldn't be a slot receiver with the last name Iyer. <laughs> you, have to, you have to be angry, <laughs> so you have to play offensive line, where yes. there is the most physical yes. contact in the sport. Luckily, it was a big deal. We are three-quarters of the way to the top in our best-to-ever-wear-it list. So let's continue the count up to 99. Two more numbers today honoring the best athletes to ever wear the numbers 73 and 74. 73, Jake Caressa, offensive lineman, 2002 to 2006, four-year starter. He was really, really good. He was awesome. First team on Mountain West in 06, second team in 05. A SportsIllustrated.com All-American Honorable Mention, Outland Trophy candidate, signed free agent deal with the Saints, and he has an amazing personality. We love uh, some Jake Caressa. On the field for Beck to Harleen, yes, protecting. Yes, protecting There's a in picture of Jake in my house with that in mind. At, Outstanding. At Beck Harleen. At 74, say hello to former defensive star Paul Lindford in the early Lavelle Edwards era from 1972 to 1974, speaking of 74. Linford, a three-time first-team All-WAC player. This is when Arizona State and Arizona were in the WAC. Legit. United Press International Arizona wasn't first good. Team. Selected in the fourth round of the 1975 NFL Draft, 93rd overall by the Baltimore Colts. His career numbers included over 200 tackles, seven sacks, 24 tackles for loss, and four forced fumbles. Paul Linford. Arizona State was good, but Arizona's never actually good at <laughs> On to our best to wear it double play on a Wednesday. We're counting up to 99. A couple of numbers each show lately and determining who were the best athletes to wear each number at BYU. Today, we land on number 75 and 76. John Tate, offensive lineman in the 90s, 93, 96, or 98. John Tate was a bad dude. This Monster. guy was a first-round pick. Oh. 2012 BYU Hall of Famer, two-time first-team All-WAC, 97-98. Ten seasons in the NFL, most notably with the Chiefs and Bears. Started every game he played from 2000 to 2008. Played in Super Bowl 41. Uh, Colts beat the Bears. 
My middle name is spelled the same way as his last name. And then I named my son Tate, although we changed the spelling. So I've always had a thing for John Tate. I've always really liked him because I felt some connection with him. Oh, okay. I didn't realize you changed the spelling of your son's name from your that middle was name. Whitney's though. condition on being able to do it. I was like, what, do you not like my middle name spelling? <laughs> no, I'm fine with it. It's T-A-T-E. Very cool. At number 76, a guy you may have never heard of, Gordon Gravel. That was awesome. 1967 to 71. So... When Lavelle Edwards was an assistant, he's working with guys like Gordon Gravel, 2012 BYU Athletic Hall of Famer, 1971. Famous John Tate, by the way. Yes, 1971 WAC Lineman of the Year, first team All Conference player, played in the 1971 East West Shrine Game and the 71 Senior Bowl. He was a big deal on a lot of NFL draft boards, if they had draft boards back then. He's taken 38th overall in 1972 by the Pittsburgh Steelers, won two Super Bowl championships with the Steel Curtain on those fabulous Terry Bradshaw, Franco Harris teams. We consider the, you know, modern era 72 on. Gordon Gravel was for that, but he was legit, man. Two-time Super Bowl champion. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is former BYU and NFL linebacker, current BYU TV football analyst, and a man who is ready to make a run at the PGA Tour with how much golf he's been playing. David Nixon, welcome back to the program. What up, fellas? I think my PGA Tour uh, career might be a little short, but uh, yeah, you're right. I'm going to try and make a run at it. We'll see. (laughs) We're trying to get the exemption for you to play at Augusta, so stand by on that. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you should stop working on that one. That's probably not going to happen. <laughs> okay, on to things that uh, you know a thing or two about. BYU football specifically is set to open practice tomorrow. Players report to fall camp today. Put yourself in the player's shoes right now, David. How would you feel about playing amidst so much uncertainty with COVID-19 and only half of the original schedule remaining right now? I mean, this is where Kalani Satake makes his money to, to motivate these players because you're right. This is, this is a super tough environment. You worked hard all off season. Uh, and, and a lot of these guys, senior year, you got guys coming back off injuries. They've been waiting for this for now two years. And, and now you're left with all this uncertainty. They, these are crazy times, unprecedented times. And, and like I said, this is where Kalani's got to be able to rally the troops and just say, stay focused. We're going to start camp. We're still not even sure who our first opponent is yet. Uh, there's been lots of rumblings, obviously. Uh, but uh, let's stay focused. Let's get to the grind, and, and this will hopefully work itself out. Hopefully is the key word. Yeah, two essentially canceled opening games. Utah officially, Alabama was rumored to be an option. That's not on the table anymore with the SEC announcement. So it feels like, David, the issue isn't even – obviously it is COVID, but it's just finding games right now. Big 12 presidents are meeting today. BYU's hoping to have some sort of affiliation there. Who knows? Chances seem low. But what do you think of that option or what's realistic in your mind for what happens with BYU and its schedule this year? Listen, I think, I think realistically the P5s are all going to follow suit as, we, as we've seen them kind of fall in line. I think the Big 12 probably stays interconference, doesn't bring BYU in. Although I, although I think all fans and, and myself included would love to see it happen, but I just don't see it happening. I think BYU's got to go out there and put together the best G5 schedule you can. And I guarantee you Tom Homo's calling – all the best schools in the country and see if you can try, try to assemble a, uh, you know, a, a pretty solid schedule. But 
this is tough. And uh, this is also where Tom Homo makes his money because he's got to be out there hustling the, the phones and um, trying to get things lined up. So I, nobody knows. And that's the thing. I think even Tom Homo doesn't know because things are changing rapidly. Things are changing daily right now. And so he's having to kind of revise his game plan a little bit. It's kind of like a football game, frankly. A lot of moving parts uh, and, and the game's moving fast right now. And so uh, how all the dust settles, we'll see. But I think back to your original question, Spencer, for the players, I think it's great that, that they are going back to camp and they can kind of get some normalcy back to their lives a little bit. Something that they can go back to their comfort zone, if you will, where you're around your teammates, you're back to what you love doing, uh, you prepare for this moment. Yeah, the schedule will hopefully work itself out, but but now you're back to playing ball. And and even, frankly, even if, if things blow up even more, at least you have this opportunity to go back and practice and, and be around the game because these guys are missing out on that for the last three or four months while uh, COVID's been, you know, peak season. So, um, if I'm a player, I'm excited to get back, be with my brothers. And like I said, hopefully something falls out here in the next little bit where we can, we can see what the schedule will look like and, and have some to look forward to. Conference USA said, nope, we have a full schedule. They're the only league. Go to the Sun Belt this morning. And the Sun Belt. Yes. Yes, the Sun Belt. It's something. Um, <laughs> um, if the other group of fives say, say like the Mountain West where BYU has three games, right? Um, they say uh, conference only. Would you be okay with just an independent-ish schedule only with some FCS in there just because that's all BYU might get, worst-case scenario? I'm fine with whatever at this point, guys. I, I, don't, I don't care who they play as long as you get some football. And listen, the players want the same. Just give us some games for us to showcase some of our talents, right? I mean, a lot of these seniors that want to go play at the next level, they have this one last chance to go out there and make an impression. I mean, you got guys like Matt Bushman, Kyrus Tonga, who postponed their NFL careers to come back and play. So you've got to find a way to let them play some games, even if it's a, a home and away with some of these independents where you're playing them twice a year, whatever it may be, get a schedule put together. Uh, I'm confident that one of these conferences will see the value of bringing a BYU into their conference just for this year. Uh, the fans that come to the game and, and, and the eyeballs you get on television, there's there's some, a lot of upside to bringing BYU in. Um, so I think one of the conferences will kind of finally come to their senses and and uh, maybe let BYU play with them for, for just a season, and we'll see how it plays out from there. Who, who do you think that'd be? Because we don't think it's the Big 12. I don't think there's any way the Mountain West and BYU will ever do anything again. So who, who would it be? Is it the Sun Belt? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I think the Mountain West is the natural fit. I, yes, I know it was messy uh, when, when that separation occurred, but you look at the schedule, it's already lined up. Geographically, it makes sense. Uh, I, I think you just got to push the past aside for just this year. Realize this isn't a, a pandemic that you've you got to come together and fight this thing together. And I think they find a way to, to play with each other and and uh, make it work. But who knows? Craig maybe, Thompson's maybe... still the commissioner, David. He's still the commissioner. BYU still BYU. I, I get it. I get it. It's not easy. But at the same time, what do commissioners worry about? They worry about money. And BYU brings the money. And so uh, you, you got to put that aside and realize what's best for the conference. It'd be to bring BYU, BYU in for a season uh, and, and see if you can't make it work. So hopefully you can put it all aside. Mom and dad aren't getting back together, David. I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> I'm with you, David. <laughs> I, I have hope. I have hope for this. Um, I know a lot of BYU fans, and you referenced this as well, have hope that something will work out with the Big 12. I mean, it's a pipe dream that BYU would be invited to the Big 12 for a year. But based on rhetoric coming from different athletic directors and the athletic departments within the Big 12, I wouldn't be shocked to see that conference do something similar to the ACC where they play conference only plus one. So 
How much stock are you putting into BYU playing at least one Big 12 opponent during the 2020 season? I love it. I mean, listen, any chance BYU can play P5 is obviously a huge plus. But then you throw in the Big 12 and the, and the, and the chance to go out there and pull another what BYU's done to Texas the last few times BYU's played them. And this continues to build your resume, right? I mean, that's, that's all BYU's doing during independence, frankly. These last few years, when I say few, what, eight years, nine years, BYU's been independent? has been all to build your resume, to try, try to make it look nicer. So at one point, whenever one of these P5s decide to expand, you're right there at the forefront. You can shove your resume in front of them, say, we beat Wisconsin, we beat Tennessee, we beat Texas. And you go down the list of the, of the P5s they beat and say, listen, we're, we can keep up with the big dogs. And so you're trying to build your resume. If you, well, you can play a, a Big 12 school this year, then you just one more notch in your belt you can add on there uh, to try to build that resume. And and so you love it. And once again, for the players, you just want them to play some P5 opponents because that's what it's all about, obviously. G5 is fun. You play Boise State, Utah State, those teams are fun. Uh, but P5 is, is where you get to showcase your talents against the best, you know, supposedly the best athletes in the country. And so um, hopefully they can make something work with the Big 12, get one, two, three games on the schedule, and, and then kind of fill in the rest. Yeah, that'd be nice. Listen, people always say, you want an easy schedule, Jeremy. No, no, no. I just want an easier schedule. I want three or four P5s, not five or six. And BYU currently has zero. So, yeah, get a couple on there. And and let's see if we even play, right? It's one thing to schedule things. It's another to actually play games. And BYU is going to start fall camp tomorrow. They'll acclimate. They'll get together. I hope Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall are never within 10 feet of each other. So if one gets corona, the other can play, right? Um, I don't know how this is going to work. You've been a player in college in the NFL. How in the world is this going to work where a team isn't the Miami Marlins and doesn't have to shut down if there are multiple cases of corona in season? I have no idea. I, I, I don't, frankly, I don't want this to be the doomsday kind of end of the interview type deal, but I, I just don't, I don't see how it can work uh, because football, once again, we all know it's a, it's a contact sport. You're all around each other. Somebody's eventually inevitably going to get COVID and then you got to trace it back to where he's been. Well, he's been all amongst the team. He's been in the locker room. He's been in the showers. He's been in meetings. He's been on the field. There's no way to socially distance yourselves with the football team. There's, I mean, you can't play football in that case. So, I don't know, guys. I think that's the part where you start to realize, I don't even know if football season happens, so all this talk of maybe scheduling goes out the window anyways. Um, I think everybody, of course, wants it to happen, fingers crossed, because we desperately need football. But uh, to your point, I, I don't know logistically how this all works with, with COVID because inevitably somebody's going to get tested positive. Uh, and then, like I said, that you go back and track where they've been. Well, yeah, they've been all throughout the team and amongst the team. I mean – walking through the halls, walking to meetings, back from meetings. I mean, so we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it works. Hopefully they can keep it under wraps. Um, but logistically, on, on if somebody does test positive and they've got to self-quarantine, how the other guys, you know, all of a sudden the backups are playing. And this is going to be one massive moving part. And, and frankly, I don't think anybody knows how it's going to play out. I think they're just trying to put their best foot forward at this point to see if they can at least put a schedule together and, and get going to practice and kind of take it day by day, frankly. David Nixon with us on BYU Sports Nation kind of makes you wonder if somebody gets sick, if they just keep quiet, but that's a discussion for another day. So, David, let's push the conversation forward to actual football. What's your biggest question mark surrounding BYU football non-related to COVID-19? Well, for me, it's just all about Zach Wilson's health. And you guys know me. I always talk about this, even though I'm a defensive guy. uh, For me, it's all about offense. And, And a team runs by its quarterback. Can Zach Wilson take that step up from his sophomore year to his junior year now he's an upperclassman? 
does he does he gain that maturity to understand that listen, I don't have to go win ball games. I should take care of the ball of the ball and not turn it over. Um, can you take those type of of uh, you know those big steps mentally? Um, athletically, he's got the talent, but but for BYU to be successful, Zach has to play well and not turn the ball over. And we saw that that was the Achilles heel for BYU last year was turnovers. And when BYU won games like the Boise State game, they didn't turn the ball over. So it's a pretty easy recipe. Uh, the question is, can, can they internalize that? Um, is, and is now as an upperclassman, can Zach go out and perform? So for me, it's all about Zach Wilson. How does he feel health-wise? Is he ready to roll? Uh, if so, has he gained some maturity as, as far as his kind of mental makeup and thought process? Um, if so, I'm excited to see this team. I think they have the weapons. I think the weapons are there. Uh, but, but can they utilize them and, and take advantage of them? That's a big question. And will they have a chance is the question. Okay, after further review. Will they even have the opportunity? Right. That's, that is the question. That's the big question. Yep. Okay, season we'll debut, the premiere. We expect massive ratings after further review tomorrow, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV. What can we expect from the first episode of 2020? Well, we're going through. We're showcasing all the players on this team. And, the, and the, like you just said, the playmakers. Who's, who are the guys that who's going to depend on to come up and, and, and make big plays this season, if there is a season? So we're breaking it all down tomorrow. Excited to get back to the grind. I'm uh, Obviously, it brings a little bit of football back. So if you're starting for some football, tune in for after further review. A socially distanced after further review, we, we think. I heard they're going to be closer, which is weird. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll wear a mask into the, the building, and then we'll get our temperatures. We'll make sure we're all safe. Don't worry. We know. Right, we're we, right know here, we, right? we know all there about it. David, Good great to, to talk to you, man. And uh, we'll look forward to after further review tomorrow. Thanks, guys. David Nixon on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. It will be good to have uh, AFR back because this is the time of year where we get really excited. Some of our best ratings, well, it's it's a fact. August, people get excited. So let's go. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Big 12 has spoken again, and shocker, BYU is not going to join the conference for a one-year situation like Notre Dame is joining the ACC. However, the Big 12 is modeling what the ACC did, as we just mentioned, in establishing a 9-plus-1 scheduling model. So the door is technically still open slightly for BYU to sneak in a power five game or two or three. If you want to put on the blue goggles with the exceptions from the big 12 and ACC, they just have to be on the road. So Jerem, all that said over under one and a half P five opponents for BYU in the 2020 college football season. I'll go over. Uh, I think ESPN will help BYU with this. I think that's where BYU is going to get a couple of games because if BYU is less left to themselves, I think Tom Homer could probably still get a couple of games. So ACC and Big 12 is what we're talking about. BYU would have to go to the ACC. Big 12 didn't say it had to be a, a home game for the Big 12, right? They didn't say what the ACC ha- did or they did? It has to be a home game. Okay, so that's fine. BYU is willing to go on the road. Not a big deal. I think it'll be over. I think uh, maybe this Oklahoma State game that – is reportedly in the works potentially on September 3rd, could be one, and then maybe TCU is another, another week. I don't know. I, th- I think BYU will get at least two uh, Power 5 games, uh, even though it's limited to two of the five leagues. Right now, BYU is in a pickle. Being an independent is really hard in this situation because every league is uh, you know, going to do their conference schedule like normal, 
But most of the leagues are saying, at least Power 5, three of the five are saying, no, 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 we're not going to let anybody else in. So that's hard for BYU, who has thrived on playing a lot of Power 5s. In fact, almost half the schedule, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. In independence since 2011, BYU averages 4.8 Power 5 games per season. So almost five. You'd like that to be 3.8. I'd like it to be three or four. Yeah, so like three and a half. Yeah. I think BYU would have had a couple of 10-win seasons had they had that number a little lower. Instead of eight or nine-win seasons for a while there, I think you'd have a 10 sprinkled in every couple of years, and then we'd feel like this was working on the field. Right now we're feeling like it's not working on the field. But uh, to answer the question, yes, I believe it will be over, and I think that the, the rook card in this is ESPN's relationship with BYU. I am over on this as well. I think BYU, with the Tom Holmo and ESPN cards played, they have good relationships. Playing a lot of cards here. The Cougars will figure out a way to get one, maybe two Big 12 opponents. And, I mean, hey, shooter's going to shoot. Maybe even an ACC road game. So maybe BYU does string together three Power 5 games with the two exceptions from those conferences. And they figure out a way to hold on to the majority of their group of five games. I don't know that the Mid-American Conference is going to remain uh, as liberal as the Sun Belt and Conference USA based on their location around the Big Ten, which has gone strictly so, conference So Northern only. Illinois, no. So I don't know that, yeah, the Northern Illinois game will stay. But I'm confident that the Mountain West, even if they make an adjustment and it's conference plus one or conference plus two, that... BYU will still be in the mix somewhere there with those traditional regional rivalry games, Boise State, San Diego State, uh, and Utah State. Well, Utah State's just straight rival. Straight rival. Yeah. yeah. Not, no, no region about it. Not the rival, San Diego but it is a rival. I agree with yeah. you that San Diego State is a, can be a regional rival with more regularity. Yeah. yeah, Boise State has turned Boise into State that. Boise State is my favorite series in Independence. I've said this. So I think BYU will hold on to the majority of those group of five games. Maybe they lose Northern Illinois, but they'll string together to so hopefully Houston, three keep Houston. Five. I think yeah. that's a good game. Sure, yep. sure. Again, this is all based on what's happening in these regions of the country. What about the American, by the way? I think the ACC, could, there could be a boon here. Why don't we discuss any kind of relationship there? Which, by the way, the Mountain West relationship that we discussed, they're a Fox League now. They're not an ESPN League. So that is not happening. That is not happening in terms of anything formal, right? Just based on that, no way. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't seem likely, right? I but, don't think it would happen regardless. But if you, once, once I remembered, someone helped me remember, uh, like, hey, it's a Fox League. I was like, oh, yeah, it's not happening. No, it's not going to, they're not going to have a formal relationship. Why would BYU do that with ESPN and then, do something with the league that doesn't have an ESPN deal. The AAC does, however. I, I think it's not going to be with a league. I think it'd be with individual teams. So, yeah, play a couple American players. BYU is going to cobble together the best schedule they can with who they can play, whoever that is. Is it a Fox situation if it is a home game for the Mountain West? Because if that is the situation, then okay, then BYU would go on the road and play Mountain West schools, and it would be under the Fox parameters. But Yes, I mean some formal relationship with the league whose primary TV rights provider is not ESPN. I think that'd be weird. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know I didn't how think works. it was going to happen anyway. I'm just saying because they're a first-tier rights go to Fox now, I, I think ESPN would be like, what are, you do- what are you doing? No, you hang with us. We got you. Like, don't. What, are you, what are you doing? Also, BYU's not going to do anything with the Mountain West. That's not happening. What I'm gathering from all of this is with the doors left slightly cracked open for two Power Five conferences and two Group of Five conferences already saying, 
We're going to try and play a full schedule. There will be more options than I once thought there would be for BYU. App State, baby. App State's a good team out of Sunbelt. They They've won 12, been in the top 25, I think, they won, in the last four years. They won 12 games last year. They won 12 games last year. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's uh, play App State. Let's go. There will be options. And then yes. throw in a hodgepodge of independence. Like Tom Homo and ESPN are going to figure out a BYU schedule. And we're hopeful, obviously, that there will be at least two Power 5 opponents in there. And it, they'd be on the road, so those wouldn't be home ESPN contract type of games. But if you can have Utah State at home still, if you can have Houston at home, Still, San Diego State, those are three quality games at home. ESPN is not interested, by the way, in my opinion, in independence for BYU at home. I don't think they care about that. They don't don't want a home-and-home with New Mexico State in 2020? Listen, as intriguing as New Mexico State is, uh, no. I I think that BYU with Power Fives will go and try and get what they can on the road. I don't anticipate a Power Five at home for BYU this year. It just is what it is. I imagine a lot of cardboard cutouts will watch BYU play this fall in LaBelle Edwards Stadium. That's another thing. The schedule is, okay, COVID is one thing. The schedule is another. Fans in the stands, I tweeted this yesterday. It's like the 27th thing on my mind. You know what I mean? Like, fans in the stands, we don't even know who BYU's playing. And we're like, ooh, how many people? (laughs) No. No, Sorry. We're, we're all watching these on TV, except for hopefully the media. I hope we're watching them on TV at the least. Yes. Just give me some access yes. to BYU football, to college football in general, to NFL football. Yes. Just football. Yes. But not, but not CFL. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gotten that desperate. Australian Rules Football League, uh, Aussie Football League, uh, amazing. Aussie Rules, if you haven't caught on to that, let's go. Yeah, I, I think I, The Rock bought the XFL so he could just change it into bring the AFL here and they could use it. Great. Let's go. He's By the, the way, the XFL the job, only worth right? 15 mil. Ballers. <laughs> Coming to life. <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Coaches on bikes. Cougar Nation. You know what it is. What's good? It's your boys. Coach G. Hey, we got a mile, about a couple miles down the trail, and I realized I, I forgot my helmet. So I appreciate everyone's patience and understanding. You forgot your helmet, Preston, two miles down the road? <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> it's a major safety protocol breach right there, but I guess we'll let it pass this time. Yeah, we will. Okay, so John Hoover mentioned the Tulsa World article. Here's the exact text. Apparently, BYU is on standby as a possible September 3rd substitute for the Cowboys, and that Thursday game would be played in Stillwater. So that's a soft report. That's not even maybe a report, right? It's just a mention. That would be a good game. We've just seen I, Oklahoma I, State before, too. Like, this isn't the first report about Oklahoma State. They surfaced a few weeks back when Alabama and Texas A&M were there. So. Well, it was more like they have a game available. There wasn't, right? It wasn't, hey, that's, ha- that's in the works. It was, oh, they have an open date. Like, that could make sense. So that's great. 
That's great. I think if BYU can line up a couple power fives, that'd be nice. Again, I and I I'm you know gonna talk about this more later, but I think this is backwards. I think we need to figure out how COVID's gonna work in practicing and in season and testing and protocols. Then the schedule. It feels weird to schedule games that might not be played. It feels like if you could figure out I mean, you gotta figure all of it out, whatever order, I guess, but I, I think BYU I would love to know what college football teams are, and they can do it by league. BYU will figure it out on its own. But how is this going to work? How, and we'll talk to Kalani Stocky on tomorrow's show. How is this going to function? How are you going to keep it so your team doesn't get uh, a canceled game if you have you know, five positive tests or whatever? How is that going to work? No one's answered these questions. I'm confident that BYU has ideas and protocols in place. What's so difficult about this is every opponent that you – potentially match up with based on the conference they're in, the time it's, they might have different protocols. So it's going to be a different right. contract for every game, which is why BYU can't just come out and say, this is the protocol. This is what we're doing. Well, I don't need that. Well, I would like that, but I'm, we're going to ask Kalani, how's it going to work in practice? So if Jaron Hall gets a positive test, I mean, does that mean all your quarterbacks are done? So what, what are you know doing the in your specifically yeah. governed circumstances? You can only control what can you ask. control. Yes. Yeah, Playing the game, yeah, that's another thing I would like to know as well. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Power 5 breakaway? George Reister III, at George Reister, a radio personality in Los Angeles for Fox Sports, tweeted out the following about 22 hours ago, and I quote, I have talked to multiple very powerful and influential people, above coaches, who work for or with some of the biggest Power 5 athletic departments. They believe the 64 Power 5 schools plus Notre Dame and BYU will in the not-so-distant future break from the NCAA and form their own conglomerate, end quote. Wow, BYU, part of the in-crowd as a Power 5 breakaway, according to George Reister. Is the idea of a P5 breakaway, Jerem, from the NCAA a good thing for the Cougars? If BYU's involved, 100%, yeah. If they are involved, it would be the biggest news in the history of this university. It really would be. The second biggest news being that Coca-Cola is officially on campus. I mean, there have been some big announcements over the years, but this would be the biggest. If BYU is involved, yes, that's awesome. If BYU is not involved, then it's different because all of a sudden it's like, can BYU make enough money to maintain an athletic department that isn't competing at the highest level? Because that's been the point of BYU athletics is let's compete at the highest level. And guess what? In a lot of sports, BYU does. BYU won a natty in men's cross country, uh, took second in women's uh, cross country, has been to a Final Four in women's volleyball, has been to the Elite Eight last year, and men's hoops has been to the Sweet 16, granted, a few years ago, right? And football has won a national championship. The Olympic sports are a huge proponent for this conversation. Absolutely. Obviously, the number one aim and mission of BYU, if it is not, should be to get in a Power 5 league. And if you cannot, you just do the best you can. That's where BYU is at right now. So let's just do the best we can with what we can do right now. So if BYU is involved with this, yes, this would be absolutely amazing. 
Although, beware the one guy saying the one thing. Mm-hmm. The exception to this for me is Joseph Smith and Moses. But outside of that, I beware the one guy saying the one thing, right? Because we've heard the breakaway idea before, and BYU may be in or maybe out. You say, I just haven't but heard it that BYU was actually, involved. Yeah, and that's nice. But if it doesn't happen, it doesn't matter. So one guy saying one thing. If it's like the Big 12, we go, eh, I don't know, because we've been burned on that before. Now, it's interesting that he references multiple very powerful and influential people above coaches. Oh, how I wish the saucy sauce would reveal itself to what the ingredients actually are in this conversation. It would be nice to know who is buying BYU as part of the in crowd, other than just a Fox Sports radio personality in Los Angeles. Granted, it's nice and it starts the conversation, but it. I mean, I haven't seen BYU involved in this conversation in a positive light before. It's typically been, well, man, the Cougars are probably going to be on the outside looking in. But what if they're included? Yes, obviously, this would be an amazing turn of events and mean the world to BYU athletics. Is BYU in position? Are they good enough to be part of the in crowd at this Power 5 breakaway? If so, then 100% they are. It's just whether they'll be accepted as such. Obviously, if they are accepted, this would be, as you said, the biggest, greatest news, greatest revelation in BYU athletics history, more so the national championship, because this would guarantee your solidarity going into the future. Yes, financially, it'd be amazing, and uh, it'd buoy BYU up in an amazing way right now, where the Cougars are trying to compete as a Power 5 equivalent. Now, the Cougars are a Power 5 equivalent in scheduling. They're not considered a Power 5 in most circles, but in scheduling, they are. And BYU has a lot of Power 5 attributes. Hopefully, this would happen someday. That'd be awesome. BYU and Navy comes together in essentially 24 hours. Incredible. Why are we scheduling games 10 years out? 24 hours to put in Navy and BYU on ESPN. Here's what Navy's head coach Ken Niamatololo had to say about scheduling the Cougars. Drew, we just kind of brainstormed last night some thoughts. And, you know, then I brought up BYU because I felt like they fit everything that we're looking for. And then Chet went to work. <laughs> I mean, I mean he, he, he got off the phone and said, I got it. I'll get back to you. And lo and behold, got a couple te- a text a couple hours later saying, hey, it's on. It is on September 7th in Annapolis. Jerem, what do you make of this game coming together in such a short amount of time? And should we stop scheduling games a decade out? Yeah, what takes so long? If literally yesterday they're like, you know, you know, it'd be good, uh, BYU. That'd be good. Wait, what? Why do we have a game in thir- 2035 scheduled right now? No, I, I know it takes a lot of logistics and planning ahead of time, and there's a lot of moving parts here. It's like a concert tour, right? You can't just be like, hey, Salt Lake, we're showing up, baby. It's like, whoa, 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 what? If if everything was canceled in Salt Lake and they were ready for you, sure. But no, I, I get it. Um, that it takes a while sometimes, but this is unique. This isn't a regular situation. What, what is unique to me, though, is that ESPN on Labor Day night lined up so quickly. That is the best part of this. That is even better than the opponent in this case, Being, because I would play almost anybody in that situation. I don't really care. The opportunity for a singular game like that is incredible, to play on Labor Day night, Monday night football spot a week before the NFL opens, I believe. Um, that's going to be awesome, man. So 
It is funny, though. Stuart Mandel is always on this. He's like, oh, it's crazy how fast that went. Why does it take so long sometimes? I, I think it's because everyone else has done it years sure, out. Yeah. So you just have to keep up with the Joneses. Yeah, and I love that we always discuss a five-year-old will be playing right. in this game in 2034. <laughs> There's a five-year-old at some school that will be the starting quarterback. Yeah, It is wild how far out some of these games have to be scheduled. But because they have scheduled so far in the future, like you would think that that trend has to continue because that's just the way it's done. Right. Like, re- like recruiting. Like yeah. you have to recruit like eighth ninth- graders, yeah. sometimes sixth graders. Yes. In-, in basketball, it's legit like seventh graders. Yeah, it's crazy, right? And BYU holds football camps, and they're looking at kids, yeah, that are like seventh grade on, you know? If anything, this gives me more confidence that BYU can throw together an optimal schedule, all things considered. If they can get this game done in 24 hours, give Tom Holmo a couple of weeks with uh, a lot of these other conferences that are looking at adding games, I'm more confident in what BYU is going to be able to put together based on everything that has played out over the past week. With the, this one doesn't do it for me. Really? Well, because it has an obvious connection with Kenny and Matsalolo. And ESPN? Yeah, and ESPN. I don't know that ESPN set up the game, but they, who knows? Who knows, right? Yeah, I, listen, the desperation will create the reality. Everyone needs, there are teams who need games. Uh, not everyone, but there are teams who need games, so they'll figure it out. Yeah, it's not an effort-based idea to me. Here it's an urgency-based idea. I like, if you want to like, play, you're going to figure it out. Yes, I feel it's like... It's not like, Tom's trying hard. It's like, Tom always tries. He always shows up, but I feel like he is connected enough with ESPN, and I know that the Kenny Amatololo thing is based on church ties, and it goes back beyond that. Laie boys, that's what Yes, this is. sure, Laie boys. But I feel like Tom Homel has enough connections, and with the urgency and the desperation, not just from BYU, but from other schools, I'm confident that BYU will put together a respectable slate. All things considered. Oh, it doesn't even need to be respectable. Just get some games. You know, like it doesn't matter it almost, right? The quality of the games does not matter this year because we don't even, even know if we're going to play. I'd be happy with a crap schedule at this point. Right now it's like, well, let's try and get something nice. It's like this is all fun and great, um, but it's window dressing to the reality of, are we even going to play? And we'll break this down a little later. Like FCS isn't going to have a fall season, it sounds like. So, FBS is trying because they want to make more money. It's a bigger beast for sure, but this is really interesting. And BYU Navy is going to be a fun one, and we talked about how it's on Labor Day. So unique. On a Monday. So unique. Has BYU played a Monday game? That brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Yes, BYU's played a Monday game, but they haven't played it since 1929 when BYU defeated the Colorado State Teachers. You know, Mr. Johnson and Mr. Smith, you really took them down. That's now Northern Colorado. I remember when we beat the Colorado State teachers in my sixth grade basketball game. <laughs> <laughs> they were terrible. Uh, yeah, it's been 91 years. So, Bureau's going to play a Monday game. Bureau's actually on played holiday. six. They played them way early, like in the, you know, 20s, I think. It was more common. BYU does not often play a game on a holiday. You know, they played a bowl game in 1992, the Aloha Bowl, on Christmas, on Christmas Day. Day. They played Kansas State in the Cotton Bowl on New Year's Day. BYU played a women's soccer game on Labor Day in 2009 because I didn't go to the Oklahoma game because of that. And now they've got Navy that. on yeah. Labor Day. This is uh, it's unique in many, many ways. Going to labor! 
Cougars are now scheduled to start the season on September 7th at Navy, as we discussed. Meanwhile, Utah State's, quote, tentative season opener is October 2nd in Provo against Brigham. So who has more of a scheduling advantage in this matchup? This is not close. It is BYU hands down because they will have, we hope and think, played a game and gone through the COVID protocols and everything that is associated with that. Whereas Utah and had State, one canceled already. Utah State is now playing their first game. Yeah, they'll have tape on BYU, but Utah State's not sure what they're going to be able to do. And this game's in Provo. they got to travel. So it's a road game, a home game for BYU against a rival, and the Cougars will have played a game. We hope multiple hopefully, games. Hopefully multiple. We hope multiple. Hopefully not a canceled game. <laughs> but assuming that a game or at least two have happened, this is a clear advantage for BYU just to get some chemistry and timing back on the field and the speed of the game. There's a reason that BYU traditionally doesn't score a ton of points in season openers because it takes time to get things going. And if you put them in their home crowd with a rival, knowing that this is Utah State's first game and BYU has already been on the field, I think this is a clear and obvious advantage for BYU. Yeah, I I agree. Utah State will not have played that first game, and they're going to be replacing Jordan Love. You know, new quarterback, new system. Some new alignment. BYU's got like the same O line, the same battery. Uh, you know, mostly same running backs as well. Uh, Wideouts that were kind of the fourth, fifth, and sixth options, and a couple new guys like uh, Chris Jackson, Cody Epps that they're breaking in, which will be exciting. So, I, yeah, I, I agree. I think BYU's going to have an advantage when they play on October second. Let's just hope they play. That's the thing. By October second, how many games will have been? Not played because of positive tests. What type whatever. of it's, cancellations? It's hard to know. But you're right. BYU would have waited through potential options there. Now, I, I could see the other side of this where you go, now, wait a minute. Utah State could have, you know, created a situation where they are definitely ready for that and they've gone through the ringer internally. But in terms of the execution on the field, there's nothing they will that not can emulate have, the speed of the game. They will not have done that. And it's that Mountain West speed against that independent speed. Wait, that's not a thing. Never mind. Let's talk about a couple other things that are going on in uh, college football as well. So we, we talked about how okay, Colorado State lost the Northern Colorado game because the Big Sky said we're not going to play. So Colorado State might be a game that's an option for BYU in the schedule. I wouldn't mind that one. BYU hasn't played Colorado State since they were a league mem- member in 2010. I'd be fine with that one. It makes sense regionally. I mean, you can bus there for crying out loud. If you really wanted to, yeah. You could bus there. It's a seven and a half, eight hour bus yeah. ride. From I don't think they would, but yeah. The Wasatch Front to Colorado Springs. Um, but if they, if there were hesitancies about flying, I mean, these UNLV, Wyoming, oh, Colorado State, Air we're, Force. We ain't playing if there's hesitancy, hesitancy about flying. I mean, college take, football. Take generally. your negative, get your negative test, and uh, get on the plane and feel confident about it. Moving. I mean, you you got to trust the health professionals that are coaching you and telling you, okay, you're good. If you get on the plane, you're good. There there has to be a level of trust there. Yeah, that, that, that's not the issue. It's that no one <laughs> that you'll have positive tests. That's the issue, right? That everyone will do their job to be safe, and and even those who are safe could still get a positive test. Whatever. Then Iowa State and UNLV rescheduled their game for 2030. Yeah, 10 no, years out. Nothing like saying, hey, 10 years from now, let's hang out. I'm playing like a decade. I'm going to do that with some of my friends. Hey, yeah. Scott, let's hang out in 10 years. We'll have a 10-year reunion party. Yeah, we, yeah, my senior class didn't ever do that. What? Come on. I, I think Iowa State is an interesting matchup on September 19th, if that's an option as well. So we, we've heard, hey, maybe Iowa State's in the mix. 
That that would be nice. I would love a couple of power fives. If BYU doesn't, that's still fine. Again, I'll take a crap schedule right now. I will. I'll just give me a schedule. Give me the opportunity and the idea that BYU could play because we don't know if they're going to play yeah. at all. Here's the thing. Don't you think we have with Utah State planning on coming to Provo and San Diego State saying they're planning on coming to Provo and we, for all intents and purposes, think that Boise State's going to keep BYU based on what the Mountain West is doing and BYU playing at Navy. Yeah, those are, those are nice. Those I great. don't. I think that the number is growing there. So I we, mean the crap rest of the schedule. Okay, yeah, I was so, going to say, we've surpassed the— Okay, it's Liberty, it's New Mexico State, it's whoever, it's it's okay. Like, that's fine. Like, let's go. Yeah, I don't and, think... and even then, I don't think Liberty's that bad. No, it'd be Liberty's like Liberty's garbage. Liberty's a program yeah. now. Yeah. No, it'd be they're, like, they're we have four okay FCS. Program. It's like, well, they're not even playing program. Yeah, will the Power Fives happen? I think that's the biggest remaining question mark— Surrounding we'll schedule. Will yeah. BYU get a Power Five or some Power Fives? The AAC and the Mountain West seem like they're going to help BYU out a little bit, which is nice. And, and we're going to talk to Mike Resco in the next segment. Like, are more games in the mix with BYU from the AAC? You think he knows? <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline via Zoom is the host of Hockey Morning in Provo and voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Greg, uh, first and foremost, would love to know, how are your Calgary Flames holding up in the midst of this modified National Hockey League bubble? After last night, really, really well. Uh, big, big, big win for the Flames yesterday. Uh, beat the Jets 6-2. Have a 2-1 lead in this best of five. Hoping to finish things out tomorrow. It's been good. That's exciting. And uh, another professional league that's figuring it out, making it work, right? Hopefully we can make it work with college football. Day one with BYU football yesterday. Typically, this is a, this is a massive celebratory day where we're out of practice. It's good to be out in the heat. We're seeing the team for the first time formally as they kind of get into the season. Yet there's sort of this different vibe, obviously, with who's BYU going to play and is the season going to happen at all. So what were some of your day one takeaways from BYU football fall camp? Well, I had to go back and listen to it again this morning to make sure that I heard it right. But when Matt Bushman says, if we get a season, it'll be a bonus, it kind of puts it, you know, uh, into, um, you know, pretty sharp relief where this thing really is. There's still enough eggshells to be crushed here that no one's really counting on anything right now to the point where they're happy to be practicing and considering the season itself to be a bonus. Um, and here we are, you know, roughly four weeks from when the season should be kicking off. And, and that's how the guys are talking. Greg, what do you make of all of this scheduling movement with the announcements from the American athletic conference this morning that they will go eight conference games plus four. And then the mountain West, according to Brett McMurphy, will go eight conference games plus two. How do you think this impacts BYU's hopeful and potential schedule for 2020? Well, I think if BYU wants to put together uh, a schedule of 10 to 12 games, they'll, they'll have enough teams to do that with. Uh, and right now, that's kind of what we're seeing, right? We're seeing that it's 10, 11, or 12, depending on your league, um, some mixture of conference only to conference plus a few. Um, 
and 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 so I I, I think it's rarer that um, that teams and conferences are expecting to play a full twelve game schedule. I think there are still a couple of leagues trying to get to twelve, but it seems more likely that that ten or eleven is the number that they're hoping for, building in bye weeks and kind of expecting interruptions. But I think if BYU wanted to, again, cobble together that many games, they'd find enough takers to do so. Uh, the real question comes, you know, from which leagues these teams will come. We hear the Mountain West, of course, going to its model, which would allow for two non-league games. BYU already has multiple Mountain West Conference teams on this year's schedule with three already on the slate. Again, if BYU wanted to even keep it geographically concise, they could probably do that as well. Um, I, I don't think that that filling the schedule is going to be the hard part uh, this season. I think for everybody, it's going to be, you know, how deep into it can you get? Yeah, and that's the thing. I, I think we're doing it backwards, right? We're trying to fill out the schedule, and then it feels like they're kind of trying to figure out how this is going to work in season. It's like, shouldn't you figure out how you can practice and then how you can play, and then the schedule happens after? I don't see the point of scheduling if you're not going to play, but I realize you have to do it. So maybe well, little- it, it's, all, it's all happening concurrently. I mean, they, they are trying to, to um, you know, essentially start driving on the freeway while you know, the asphalt is still curing. It's crazy. And, you know, by the way, I'm not a civil engineer. I, I may have used incorrect terminology <laughs> you, you there. You are but, civil, but though. You, you know where I'm coming from. Uh, it's they, they are, you know, trying to figure out, you know, the best way to execute the protocols that have been put in place by, you know, well-meaning and well-educated people, while at the same tri- time uh, trying to give, you know, student-athletes a, 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 a season to play. But we're just, you know, day by day and hour by hour, we're just kind of being introduced to either existing or new uh, wrinkles or hurdles to overcome just to get to the start line. So if we do have a schedule, we're hoping, I don't know, a couple of Big 12, Mountain West, keep those games with Boise State, Utah State, San Diego State, keep Houston. Maybe a few more AAC games could be in the mix since they announced 8 plus 4. Uh, what do you think of maybe adding a, a Memphis, a Cincinnati, a Navy, and so on, if that's a possibility? Yeah, I mean, clearly you're going to want to try and see if there's any P5 possibilities. We already know right now that if there were, they'd come on the road. Um, they, they wouldn't get home dates uh, with those leagues. And then you, you know, you look for prominent G5s. And then after that, you, you kind of go down to the FBS independents that are kind of the last safety net. Of course, we find out today that, you know, one of those is no longer an option. And, and I guess the bigger question there would be for UConn, um, you know, does, have they played their life? You know, when will they play again? Right. Uh, that, that, that program was struggling to begin with. Um, we'll just take the legs out from, from that program. And, and, and not just UConn, but other schools, I think, from different divisions might be looking at this pandemic and how they come out of it and really where their programs are uh, on the other side. Greg, the biggest question marks are overwhelmingly on what we're talking about. Is there going to be a season? How many games will BYU play? What happens if somebody gets a positive test on the team? How do you quarantine? How do you disseminate that information? But for the moment, let's focus on the actual football players. And what questions do you have about BYU on the field going into the season? What's the biggest question mark you have in terms of personnel and what you're going to see on the field? Well, it may or may not be the biggest question, but I, I think one of the questions that I think you know needs to be answered is is who will be um, the workhorse running back 
And, and as deep as the room is and as good as Kalani feels about the room, I'd really like a star and a stud to emerge. Um, I'd, I'd like to, you know, to have a guy that you can count on to be a thousand yard back. Um, I, I think thousand yard backs tend to equate to pretty good seasons for BYU. <laughs> and it's been a while. And, and it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not so much the guy as, as it is the, the productivity from the team and the point score. But I really do think that, that, a, that a standout and a workhorse and a go-to and a star and a stud, um, you know, emerging would be a great thing for the program. Uh, regardless of who it is, identifying that person, uh, getting them the requisite number of carries, and then hoping for the requisite amount of health to keep that guy on the field. And more than anything else, that's maybe been the biggest problem, right, with either running backs or quarterbacks. It's just who can, you know, who stays healthy enough to be the guy. And, and then that's an important part of the equation, too. And when we say health for the first time this year, we're going to actually throw in like being sick into that equation, right? It won't just be a dislocated shoulder or a sprained knee. It's like, oh, they had a positive test. They can't play. So who knows? Is Lopini Katoa the, the man in front there that has the best chance of that, in your opinion? I'd say right now, yeah. Uh, if Shoni Finau hadn't gotten hurt, I think Shoni showed, you know, incredible potential and, and could have, you know, assume that position but i think of the guys who were healthy and ready you'd, you'd look there um and uh yeah you know, although he's just a freshman coming in i'm hoping that that down the line we talk about a kid like uh, like say you know bruce garrett seemed like a real uh an exciting you know long-term look uh and and i'll be curious to see what all these guys look like when we actually do get a chance to lay eyes on these fellows and who knows when that will actually be but uh, Lopini, uh, I've already tweeted about his his great touchdown rate. I mean, he doesn't need a lot of touches to find the end zone, and yet he's never had a workhorse load, you know, for 12 games in a season. You know, could he handle it? Would he be that guy? Uh, history has shown that if you give him the rock, uh, he knows what to do with it. And so he's uh, he's got a pretty good he's got a pretty good uh, past history and record with the with the reps he's gotten. The voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, with us on BYU Sports Nation. Greg, I have mixed emotions. When I look at the roster for BYU, because I see, in my opinion, the most experienced and veteran squad from top to bottom that Kalani Satake has had. Maybe you differ with me uh, on that take, but I just feel like there's a ton of experience. And I think, man, what a waste it would be if you couldn't use this experience that they've been building for because of COVID-19. But uh, where do you stand on the depth of BYU football and how it uh, ranks in the Kalani Satake era? Well, I, I think into a fifth season, they are where you'd hope to be after you've kind of gone through an entire, you know, quote unquote class. Uh, classes mean different things when it comes to BYU in terms of when you actually have completed your class. But heading into season five, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think it's uh, a stretch at all to say it, it's the deepest to most talented bunch. And, you know, Isaiah Kofusi was talking about uh, at least defensively. Uh, thinking about having you know two and three starters potentially at, at, at essentially every spot across the board, and and that's that's day one optimism. But uh, you know it, it's it's the kind of situation where you can look at multiple guys and say I could see him getting most of the reps, I could see him getting most of the reps, and not get much of an argument on that. And and so yes, very deep, uh, deepest probably of, of Kalani's tenure, and similar to to the Mark Pope situation, uh, you know. <laughs> To, to have that group last year uh, as good as they were and, and primed to do uh, such great things in the tournament, not get a chance to show it, you know, what a, what a, what a great shame that was. And, and this year, 
it's already got an asterisk, right? I think we already kind of feel that this is not going to be a normal season by any stretch. And so uh, just how much will BYU get out of this season remains to be seen. But, man, you, you, you'd like it to approach as much normalcy as possible just to, to see if, uh, if BYU can prove <clears throat> the kind of things we expect them to be able to prove because of that te- depth and talent that they've accumulated. Now, the NCAA, you know, coming out today has uh, given a, a bit of a uh, – um, uh, a, a window to extend the el- eligibility and 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 forestall some of these careers. Uh, they, they they've allowed COVID nineteen opt outs, uh, and I think in, in that situation you keep your scholarship and they'll be expected to retain eligibility. One would presume if they opt out for that reason. And so who knows how many teams will find themselves maybe hitting a bit of a reset uh, with at least some of their personnel for next season. Greg, whether it's uh, Stillwater, Oklahoma, or Ames, Iowa, or Fort Worth, Texas, or wherever on the map, I sincerely hope we get to hear your voice broadcasting Cougar football from whichever uh, the location is where BYU could potentially start. Or Provo, you know. (laughs) Or Provo. Maybe they they, they start at home. Who knows? But uh, it'll, it'll be nice to see games back on the schedule. It'll be even nicer to get to a game day and and who really knows you know what what the games will truly look and, and sound like and feel like presuming we get there but uh you know we're all in the same boat in this guys we've all got a job to do and it revolves around it revolves around you know these student athletes their teams their coaches uh and, and these games and and we're all still in limbo waiting for some kind of definition and and hoping that something positive comes on the other end of it Greg, we appreciate the real talk and the time that you spent with us today. And uh, we're going to take the positive vibes from your Calgary Flames and hope that this means good things ahead for all sports. Whatever works. Good to be with you guys. See you soon. (laughs) All right, Greg Rubel on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. I go 2016 with Deepest Kalani team, which was the team that sort of was given to him. Because he had Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams, Fred Warner, Francis Bernard, Harvey Long, Isai Tautu, Kainakua, Diane Kainakua. That was a good one. That was a great team. I, I think it's 2016. I think in a couple of years we could look and say, ah, it was 2020, depending on how things shake out. But they're not going to have a chance to win nine games to validate that, I think. Man. I mean, they had star power in 2016 for sure at those yeah. positions. Overall depth, though. Like Zane Anderson plays 13 games, doesn't start a single game. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I mean in terms of depth is you had Dine Gonwoleku and Zane Anderson as backups. And now these guys were, like, good players, BYU. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see how it develops. But, yeah, the, uh, the prospect, the point is the prospect of the depth it's of the August, 2020 team. It's August, so those are the things oh. we project. Yeah, hard. It's, uh, yeah, it's mixed emotions because you just want these guys to have an opportunity. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Okay, time for Big Deal, No Deal. Big Deal, No Deal. So this little nugget came out from Ken Niamatololo yesterday, Jerem, when a reporter asked him, are you settling for BYU because you lost Notre Dame? And Coach Nian Matalolo said, whoa, 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 whoa. BYU is a good team. We don't want to give them bulletin board material. This is, this is not good. Do you agree with the reporter or with Coach Nian Matalolo? Big deal, no deal, Navy settling for BYU. 
I can see the argument for yes, but I'll go with no. No, BYU's quality program, respected nationally, obviously. Uh, but I could see if you're a Navy fan going, oh, man, we had Notre Dame in Ireland, and now we're hosting BYU. I, I, I could see where you're like, well, it's not the same, right? Notre Dame, top 25, like they're good. Ian Book, the whole deal, like they're ready to go. I, I could see that, but I'm going to go with my biggest blue goggles on. Uh, no, because no, Brigham, Brigham's goggle a good alert. game. Let's go. Blue I know BYU alert. struggled last year. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, this is uh, this is no deal because uh, I think Coach Niamatololo did a good job nipping this in the bud, saying, no, 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 He knows. Come on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Son played here. He's aware of what BYU does. Can you imagine if he was like, yeah, uh, you know, Super disappointed to lose Notre Dame. We're just, uh, we're excited to roll over BYU. <laughs> <laughs> guys stink, man. We're going to smash them. They're going to see what the Naval Academy oh, can B- do. I mean, BYU compared to Notre Dame in terms of national prestige and national ranking, yeah, like it's it is it's almost it's a fallback option. I don't know that it's like settling, but it's a backup plan, right? Yes. BYU is the clear backup plan compared to Notre Dame. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. No, There's nothing wrong with that. Fine, we'll be, we'll be uh, sloppy seconds for Notre Dame. That's fine. Uh, the NCAA Board of Governors ruled that if 50 percent or more of teams in a sport cancel the fall season, they won't have a fall championship. Now, in the case of FCS, the NCAA runs the football uh, playoffs, right? That's not the case for FBS. It's called football playoffs. So, big deal, no deal. The FCS looks like it ain't going to play in the fall. Yeah, with the announcement of the Big Sky not playing a fall and season. Pioneer League and Pioneer and League. Others. That'll put things over 50% and not play uh, a fall championship. So, yes, this is a big deal. And I'm thinking selfishly about BYU and other teams in the Intermountain region that aren't going to be able to play games now that won't – I mean, I thought, oh, BYU can go get an Idaho State or a Southern Utah or Weber State. They can figure out an FCS game, Dixie, yeah. another home game. That's not going to happen now. Like, that, that, that impacts things. Can BYU turn into something positive? That's what they're trying to do with the likes of maybe Colorado State or whatever. But to me, this is a big deal because this is, I mean, no fall championship, no FCS teams. It's going to impact a lot of Division One teams. I wonder if some of those schools have to cut sports because they won't make the money they need. But they're pushing to spring in a lot of cases. So big sky is. Now, hear me out on this one. Instead of playing an intra-squad scrimmage in the spring for BYU spring football, what if they played an FCS team in an exhibition? Oh, yeah. Because for the FCS team, that doesn't count anyway. It's not a thing they count, right? But for F- Or do they? Sorry. Ashton, you're on the crew. Do they? Is that a, like it counts on your record? For FBS, it does for FCS. But, it, you know, you can only play one towards bowl eligibility in a non-COVID year. So I'm interested to know um, if, if that impacts it. I think it is a big deal. I think it could. It, there's negative momentum for playing college football right now. There's not positive momentum where it's like, yep, this is going to happen. It's going to work out. We're going to figure it out. It's like, uh, it's a players tug, are opting out. It's a tug of war. FC, and it's mostly and the, being and won the tug of by the don't won, play. Yeah, yeah, it's leaning that direction. It, it, yeah, because at the end of the day, if we're really concerned about health, we wouldn't play. There's no question. There's no question it, at all. But it's like, ah, these institutions need it financially. Let's see if we can't make it work. It's not a, you know what, we can do this. It's a, can Let's just see if we can do this, right? And we all want it, but there's certainly a side of it that is risky. Like, think, think about it. What other group of people societally right now are we like, listen, listen, listen. Everyone get together and then go ahead and, t- go ahead and contact each other. This is the only thing. Even kids going back to school, it's like, wear a mask, do your best to kind of spread out. But, like, realistically, that's not going to happen. Like, 
little Johnny is going to remove his mask and cough in the elementary school. What's going to happen at recess? You know what I mean? You like, know? yeah. It's, the jungle gym. It's going to be tough. Football is literally, it feels like, the only you know, big group of people where we're like, yeah, go ahead and contact each other a lot yeah. consistently because we love football. It doesn't make any sense. Now, can you do it? The right way and keep players healthy if you have enough money for the proper protocols Who does? and testing. Just well, the, Power Fives? The SEC is one of those conferences implementing, according to Brent McMurphy, next-level testing and protocols. McMurphy reporting this morning that the SEC will give athletes a COVID test twice a week, six and three days before a game, and coaches and staffers will have to wear face coverings on the sideline. Jerem, is this a big deal or no deal for the SEC to lead out with some testing protocols like this? Uh, it's nice someone finally said something uh, with like three weeks to go. Finally, we know something from someone. No deal. I expected at least twice a week, right? Um, that It isn't how often you're testing. It's how quickly you can get that test to me. Because if you could get it the same day, then now we're talking. Because guess what? If you test three days out, you could... You could get it the next day. Or the I next would day imagine that day. they are, because of what football means in the South, they will be prioritized and have their test results returned. You mean they'll pay for the best kind? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's you, just, you pay what you, uh, you get what you pay for. Yeah. I mean, go back to the initial test of Rudy Gobert from the Utah Jazz and Donovan Mitchell and the whole Jazz team. They all tested that night and had their results a number of hours later. Yeah, and I would argue this. These aren't the people that need a quicker test societally. You know what I mean? So there's, there's that ethical battle of like, wait, shouldn't we be giving this to people who may have a serious hospitalization or death as a you bring result up of a, this? You bring up a fantastic Not point. these athletes who in most cases won't be the ones who are affected but, uh, over, overly negatively. But this goes in line with what is the priority? But we want to play What football? is the priority? Yeah. yeah. Like, is it, is it, are we worried about people's happiness and mental well-being, having some type of normalcy, football back? Or are we prioritizing, okay, who needs the test the most? This is a difficult conversation. Yeah, uh, but, and those with, those with the money do what they want with the money. That's what ends up happening, and that's the case with the SEC. Okay, big deal, no deal. Six Maryland players have opted out of playing this season, with more players announcing they won't play because of COVID-19. Is this a big deal or no deal? This is a trending big deal because I just saw Minnesota's all Big Ten receivers say, you know Rashad what? Bateman. Yeah, I'm out. Uh, and then Purdue's number one receiver yesterday said, I'm out. Uh, Duke just lost their big tight end. He's out. Penn They're- State's Micah Parsons, who's a top 10 pick, potentially. <laughs> I'm out. He says he's out. And now six Maryland players. The thing is, these are happening in conferences that have been at the forefront of this. Hey, we're, we're scaling it way back. Big 10, Pac-12. And so... Regionally, I'm not surprised about where these announcements are primarily coming from because of announcements that have already been made by the Big Ten and the Pac-12. It just and you pointed out, like you look at a political map of the United States, red and blue states, and it's not surprising to see that the blue states are way more conservative with this. Like, hey, we're gonna we don't want to do this, and then the red states, Texas, the South, are like, hey, we can figure it out. We'll play. Let's we can, play. We can we're figure playing. it out. We'll we're, wear a mask. Like we'll, we'll we can figure it out. Or or we're not wearing masks. We don't <laughs> care, right? That's. Listen, I lived down in Springville a couple weeks ago in the grocery store. 
I was one of the few that would wear a mask. Now they require it in the store. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting. What, whatever side of this you're on, this is going to be complicated, right? And there's not an easy answer. And there's no one to make a, you know, declaration of how this is actually going to go. So it's interesting. I, I think it's a big deal that some of the big names are opting out. We don't know of any BYU players that have opted out yet. As of now, as of, what was it, Monday or Tuesday, Kalani Sitake said no players had opted out. So um, I won't fault anybody if they do. Don't be shocked if someone from BYU says, you know what, I don't actually want to play. But I don't even know how many games we're going to play anyway. So everyone may be opted out whether they like it or not. And the scholarships are protected. The scholarships are protected. And I appreciate the NCAA doing a good thing for once, which was nice, to say, yes, if if you get sick because of COVID – you need to be covered. Now, there are, there are conversations from the Mountain West and Pac-12 players saying, no, we want to be covered five years and six years, respectively, after we play two. Because what, not just this year. What about if I have some longer-term effect on this? Sure. It's a big deal. It'll become a bigger deal if players from the ACC and SEC start to opt out. Like if Trevor Lawrence Clemson says, yeah, you know what? I'm I'm out. Then we're like, whoa! That, yeah, one of those would be whoa. really shocking. We're waiting for one of those. I mean, yeah. a top ten pick is a big deal, but we talk about a Heisman candidate. If one of those opts out, then it becomes an even bigger. Join the conversation twenty four seven on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. It is time for us to play swipe right or swipe left with potential American Athletic Conference teams. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Let's go. The music. Oh, so perfect. Okay. Number one, Jerem. Oh, no, no. Let's go. Let's go back to the original track. (laughs) Number one, Jerem. Yeah, here we go. The Memphis Tigers. Oh, love it. No, Memphis has been a top 25-ish team the last two years. I mean, were they the group of five team last year? I think it was Memphis. Or was it Cincy? I can't remember. (laughs) Distracted by the music. <laughs> I would love Memphis on the schedule. I think that'd be awesome. So what? what is what is I want it, right? Swipe right. Right. Okay, swipe right. Yeah, I'm swiping right on Memphis. Um, I don't love how the last game that uh, BYU played against Memphis ended. I think BYU is a puncher's chance, though. <laughs> a fighter's chance for sure. Okay. But I like this game. Yeah. Tigers and Cougars, let's go. Okay, uh, Cincinnati. I'm also swiping right on the Bearcats. They have come a long way and were a top 25 caliber program last year. If Cincinnati would take a game with BYU, why not? Memphis and Cincinnati added to the BYU schedule. Now we're talking. Yeah, Cincinnati would be great. BYU played a couple of games in, what, 15 and 16, won both of those games. It was fun. What was his name? Gunner Keel? Gunner Keel. Maybe Gunner Keel can come back for that one because he played like six years in the NCAA. All right. Jerem next. UCF. I'm going to say swipe right to almost every AAC team. I, I think it'd be a fun season to have as many of those teams as BYU can get. I'm swiping left on UCF. I'm what? still angry about the missed pass interference call in overtime in 2014, which should have given BYU and Christian Stewart the win in Orlando. So I'm swiping left because no, that I have... would have given them the tie. Sorry, the tie. Yeah. 
personal bad feelings still associated with that game and uh, program? With some refs. Swipe left. With some refs whose contact didn't work. Uh, Temple. Mm, yeah, I'm going to swipe left on Temple, too. I, the, I mean, the Owls are a good program, but I, I, Philadelphia? Like, you, the you versus, to Philadelphia? You versus Temple is like an amazing matchup no. in name only. Swiping left. Brigham Young, great advocate of Temple. This is true. Temples. Temples. Not the Temple Owls. Yeah, though. no, Temple. Come on. Left. Wisdom, knowledge, no. books, and stuff. No. no. I'm not attracted to Billy the Temple Chiste? Owls. No. <laughs> Not amidst COVID. No, thank you. Man. All right, Jerem. Temple work? How about... There's so many puns we could have used with that matchup. The green wave of Tulane. Sure, why not? Whatever. I, BYU pounded Tulane in 09. That was a fun game. Week after Oklahoma. I, I'm telling you, every AAC team, I'm like, sure. If they'll go on a date with BYU in Provo, sure, I'll swipe right. Mm. Okay. Like playing the... Uh, oh, they have their own uh, They have their own stadium now. It's not in Superdome. If the Green what's, what's Wave music? will visit Provo and go on a date with BYU and Provo, oh, then, yes, I'll, then I'll swipe right. Oh, one, the season opener. That was awesome. Navy. The, Mo- the Mormon Bowl. I mean, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Navy. Navy. Kenny Matalua. How you doing? Yeah. Meet the Navy. I'm midship. swiping right. I want, I want the military academies. Like, if BYU could work out a situation where they play Navy and Army this year. By the way, Army's game with Oklahoma was on September 26th. Why not BYU step in there and take on a team they've never played before, Army? I only want one service academy. Give me both. Because they just wrecks your knees. It just does. So I only want one. This is an Air season. Force. This is an Air Force. It's the same thing. They what are you talking all about? all wreck these. All three function the same way. No. They cut block a ton, and they run all day. They're the same. What? Are you, what? what? <laughs> They're not the same. They don't run the, what do you mean they're not They the don't same. run the same exact offense. They all run the, a similar offense. No, it's not about? the same, though. They're very different nuances. Army played a very different style they of football last year. They all cut and run. They all cut and run. Yes, That's they what cut I mean block. by every that. Every football team cut blocks. Every football team does. Not every play like those guys. Well, agree to disagree. On to SMU, the Mustangs. Are you swiping right on every tra- AAC team? Swipe right. Every one. Every single one. Let's Ooh. go. We're desperate. What do you want to play? New Mexico State? No, they're not that desperate, though, that you need to play seven AAC teams, though. Might be. No. BYU still, you don't think they're going to keep any Mountain West opponents? They've already got Houston on the schedule. We don't know what. We don't know if Boise State, Utah State, and San Diego State are going to keep the BYU game. We hope they that do. Makes but assume nothing. One million percent sense to keep those regional games. From our perspective, absolutely. We don't know what they have in mind. Well, even what, from and Boise. What's whether the they name want of the newspaper be... in Boise? I read an article the other day about how Boise needs BYU to maintain any type of excitement for their home schedule. No, I get it. But I don't know everything at play for that side of it. Idaho Statesman or something like that? I can't remember. Anyway. Okay, yeah, the AAC. Yeah. I'd be stoked if BYU had a couple of Big 12 games, like two or whatever. And then if they could keep those three Mountain West games, great, five. And then as many AAC to fill it up. I, if BYU doesn't have a single independent on there, that'd be fine with me. I'd be fine if BYU didn't have FCS. That means BYU TV would get an FCS. <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. 
We have reached our best-to-wear-it moment. We're counting up to 99 these days, two numbers each day, and determining the best athletes to wear each number at BYU. Today, we hit numbers 77 and 78. Number 77, Sean Knight. This guy was an excellent defensive lineman. Played 82 to 86, 2008 BYU Hall of Famer, a member of the 1984 BYU National Championship team. This guy was a tough sucker. 18 and a half career sacks, which is pretty awesome. Look, Look at this at picture, picture in the snow. Oh my gosh, probably at Wyoming. 11th pick in the 87 draft. We don't talk about Sean Knight, uh, but we should, man. How about that? Nolans. 87 NFL rookie team played three years for the Saints, Broncos, Cardinals, and Vikings. At number 78, Brad Oates, the second Oates in our countdown. 1973 to 1975 offensive lineman. He's a member of the BYU Athletics Hall of Fame as of 1988, two-time All-WAC. He uh, blocked for Gary Scheide in 1974, second-team All-American. Played in the Blue-Gray Classic, coaches All-American Bowl, Senior Bowl, All-American Bowl. He was legit. Drafted in the third round to the St. Louis Cardinals when they were the football team and not the baseball team. Six years in the NFL with the Cardinals, Lions, Chiefs, and Packers. That takes us to the best to wear it. We're counting up to 99, two numbers each show, and determining the best athletes to wear each number at BYU. Today, we focus in on 79 and 80. Bill Rice is the best to wear number 79. Played from 73 to 76. The 70, that that era was the first set of teams that played in bowl games. 74 Fiesta, 76 Tangerine. So, Bill Rice was in that. Both lost to Oklahoma State, by the way, randomly. 128 tackles in 1975, 252 for his career, first team all whack as a senior. And again, that 76 team with Gifford Nielsen went 9-3 and three and went to its second bowl game. So that was a underrated BYU team. 128 tackles as a defensive tackle. Nice headline. I like it. That's incredible. You know, it's one thing for a linebacker to do that these days. A tackle? With 128. Pretty good. You're a stout in the center. Outstanding. The field. At number 80, McKelly Iramia, 1974 to 1977. Very similar time frame. Another defensive tackle. He holds the single season BYU record of sacks with 17. Woo! 17 quarterback sacks in one season. Two-time AP honorable mention. How do you have 17 sacks and not be more than an honorable mention? I don't, I don't know. All-American. playing the WAC. Good maybe? gravy. All-WAC first team in 1976. Spent one season in the NFL with the Buffalo Bills. And, Circle the wagons. And his son, uh, Jeremiah, signed to play at BYU. And then, uh, for whatever reason, didn't work out. He was at Snow last year. So, who knows if we'll see uh, Jeremiah. Maybe a return to Provo? Yeah, who knows? I know. Yeah. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.